think he's going to Texas Tech. I think that's that's where he's going to wind up. No, that's the furthest one away. I hope that gets where he is. Okay. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Welcome to another week of the Yak Sports Podcast, your Augusta County sports. we got a lot of good stuff to talk about, including the Rockbridge County Baseball League. It's plans to get going again, and we have a guest from there. But let's get started with some other news from around the area that matters to the Augusta County sports fan. Joe Deck with me, like always. So, Joe, the VHSL, a week ago, there was an article, I believe through the Roanoke Times, that I read. Southwest Times. I think it was, oh no, well not the Southwest, Southwest Times, Timesland, which is in the lower part of the state, below Roanoke Times. Well, excuse me for misciting, but Billy, um, Va- Billy Hahn was uh, interviewed for that uh, paper, and they were asking him about what he thought about the season moving forward. And, and he was very negative, very pessimistic, not a lot of good words being said there. And I, I think I sent it to you. I don't think I spread it publicly, but I said, well, after this article, there will be no reason for people to be surprised when they cancel fall sports. A week later, the HSL had very positive things to say today. I think they have some insight to what the governor is going to announce, I believe Tuesday or Wednesday. I'm not sure which day he's doing that announcement because I know the school systems are very, very much in the click of having an idea of what he might say. And it sounds like students returning to school um, sooner than later, maybe not quite at the beginning scheduled time, which in Augusta County is now early August, but it seems like there is a plan that it, everybody believes students will be back in the schools, and that should allow for VHSL to respond with plans of having fall sports happening. So that would be great news, and I very much hope that is what can happen, and I hope it holds up. I hope everything goes the way that it needs to go to keep us on a track to have these fall sports, not just for my personal entertainment, but for these kids that, you know, want to play these sports and, and carry on traditions or start new ones at, at local schools. I I'm really hopeful. And I think we'll hear a lot from the VHSL by the end of the week. Yeah. I think what you touched on there about him probably getting some insight as to an announcement that's coming, maybe had a lot to do with that because I think you and I have talked about this on this podcast and private, um, group texts with other people that if, if they don't have students in the building, sports are done. Yeah. That's it. Can't have it. Um, so hearing the slight tune change of maybe a after Labor Day start gives me hope that maybe the goal is to have schools in Virginia statewide open after Labor Day. So have schools on campuses, you know, schools, yes. kids, kids in the schools. I, I could imagine for these schools that start before Labor Day, because not the entire state does that, but our uh, side of the state does. But maybe some online learning to get going for most kids, or maybe maybe the upper levels or some version of that, but then have students in the building after Labor Day is what we're kind of hearing the rumors of. Maybe, and, and maybe it'll be just open after Labor Day statewide. I mean, that might that might be a thing. I mean, he, he closed schools statewide. He can tell them they can't open until after Labor Day if he wants. I mean, that's something that could happen. So we'll see. Yep. Um, again, uh, Lena and I have no insight on that. So uh, no, we, we are, don't. We it's are all rumor. Terribly and I guessing. Haven't talked to anybody that would, I would say, officially knows anything. Yeah, we are. So yeah, it's all rumors. We are very much guessing and probably poorly. <laughs> uh, but and, and so if it is an after Labor Day start, 
to me, from my knowledge of the fall sports schedule, it seems like football and golf are the ones that are most affected there. Those are the sports I know play games before Labor Day and also would be tough to make up later in the fall. Football, you only play one game a week. So you're, it's not like you can double up on games or something like that, like volleyball could. Volleyball, I think, does start that last week of August. Mm-hmm. But, okay, you can play a couple of weeks of three games, and you're, you're right back where you were. Golf, they play the majority of their season in August and September because once it gets to October, November, it's, it's tough carrying out yeah. that many events, that many tournaments, and, and then starting your postseason. So I think there's some questions to answer there if that's kind of where we go. But, I mean, those are all questions that I think you can come up with answers. Shorten the football schedule by a little bit. Maybe do do districts only. And if you're a small enough district, maybe keep some non-districts. But, you know, allow teams to get out of agreements to play schools. So you're just playing your local areas. You're not traveling across the state to play somebody, which, honestly, most of our teams don't travel across the state. I know Buffalo Gap has a game with Clark County. I know uh, Stanton High has some games with Lynchburg schools and and Lord Bonathot down there. Uh, Riverheads, they're a team that has to go across the state uh, to catch some games there, uh, I believe, with West Point and Colonial Beach. So it'll be interesting to see if those games still hold up underneath the new condition of this of this plan. But, you know, this is all speculation. Next week we'll probably have a lot more answers or some more directed questions. Yeah, Glenford too, I believe, as well, right? They have to go there. Yeah, Glenford down in Roanoke, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how all this plays out. But at least I'm more positive about this than I was six days ago. Six days ago I was just, I mean, I was, well, I'm kind of giving up on this and, you know, seeing local school like Stuart Hall, which I know is a, it's a much different school mm-hmm. than any of the county schools, but they canceled all sports, bam, and then no borders to the school. And they're really, uh, you know, tightening up. And I think a lot of private schools in the state are, I, I just thought that paired with the VHSL information was just a lot of bad news. So I was excited to read a little more positive from VHSL today. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully it's good news coming and uh we'll we'll be able to get fall sports again we're just cautiously optimistic right now as as how i would put it uh and i think leland would be right there with me yeah yep and but i i also i don't i I don't want any of this to happen at the risk of anything you know we all need to be safe we all need to be healthy so i i'm 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 hopeful but that carries the weight of global health as well so obviously uh Tyler Nickel was in the news this week because I, I think they had some updated rankings. He's a top 100 player, four star. I think he's number 76 to be exact in one of the rankings out there. That's how I rank it. I don't recall a lot of guys in recent years since I've been, you know, hosting a podcast or covering sports on local radio that have been ranked that high. And if someone wants to refresh my memory, I'll be welcome to the information. But that's great. And we all know he's a good talent and he's young and he's still got a lot of um, development to do, but I, you know, what does that tell us? Not a whole lot. We already knew he was good. We already knew he was getting looks from a lot of big schools, but that just kind of reaffirms it and will probably open the eyes to even more schools. Yeah. Makes it hard for Virginia tech to probably get this kid, huh? I'd say it makes it really hard for JMU to get him. Well, I have not seen where they've named it. Tyler nickel court. They've gone the opposite way. They named their court after UVA. So, yeah, really bad move by them. I, I thought it was a really dumb move when we did it. Uh, again, they have the opportunity. W- now that this has come out, I mean, I don't even know if the court's enough. You might have to name a hall. You might have to name a dining hall or a residence hall after him, a dorm. I mean, let's get real. Yeah, I mean, 
court arena. Yeah, Nickel State Arena, Center. the Nickel Center. I I have long said that the name of that building should be the Nickel Center. And, the Nickel uh, Sports Complex. I don't. I mean, anything. Get, yeah, get this kid. It's not U Rec <laughs> anymore. It's Nickel Rec. Um, <laughs> and and we are no longer James Madison University. We are Tyler Nickel University <laughs> and the Fighting Nickels. I mean, go, you have go ahead and get that Constitution and and and. Uh, what has he done for me lately? Yeah. What has James Madison done thing. for me lately? Yeah, Nothing. Get Nickel's name switched out there. Let's get, get, get an alternate on that. Yeah. Thing. Was James Madison the 76th best uh, basketball player in his class? No. <laughs> he was tiny. He would have been a terrible basketball player. We need Tyler Nickel now. <laughs> He's what can help us. So that was good news for him. We all will continue to watch what he can do. Uh, the other news from big-time basketball players that uh, just getting a little bit further away from us, Mac McClellan. We've talked about him most weeks on the podcast. We skipped last week after he had the biggest news. He declared his transfer school to be Texas Tech. I believe I had that. I believe our listeners have already were reminded of me having that uh, from the opening there. But uh, what do you think about Mac going away from Georgetown and to Texas Tech? We'll see. I don't watch a lot of Texas Tech. I'll watch more Texas Tech now, I guess. Um, the last time I watched out. them play, I was rooting for them. The last time I watched them play, I was rooting for them and they broke my heart. So I believe I may have said this is their fault and they're dead to me. I may have said that. Um, Mac McClung going there. Mac McClung going there. Maybe we have a Walker situation on our hands, but I don't know. We'll see. It's a long way away. I hope it works out for the kid. I really do. You know, all joking aside, I hope yeah. it works out for him, but I don't know. I don't watch enough Texas Tech to know if that's going to fit him or not. Uh, I hope he made the right call. And I think, I mean, I think it's obvious. I mean, he already declared for the NBA once. I think, you know, he's looking at this year and get out. I mean, I really have to think that's what he's thinking. So this isn't watch him for two years yeah. situation. I mean, I think he's supposed to be immediately eligible from what I had read. Um, we will see. Yeah, that's I, always a I, fun I don't game. Have official, but yeah, that's you always, never know. That's a fun uh, game to play with the NCAA. Yeah. But hey, he's not really transferring for a family health reason or anything, so he's probably good to go. Um, but we will see. Like the year he plays, if it's this year or the year after, that I think that's going to be his only year at Texas Tech. So I think he, we'll have to see it quickly, and we'll you know buy by January 1st, we will know kind of what path he's on and if he's, you know, meeting those expectations. So good luck to him, like you said. All right, let's go talk about some of these sports trying to get back. We've left that a little bit calm the last couple weeks because there was no real new information, but the NFL um, has plans to go as is. Now, obviously that could change, but their biggest news this week was, and this is touching on what we opened up with last week, and we won't dive fully into it, but I thought it was really interesting, and I thought it was big news, that the league indicated that they handled the previous protests by Colin Kaepernick and other players, that they had handled that situation incorrectly. It was a response to a player-made video with a dozen players in it, and I think that's really big news, and I think it's another sign that this effort of changing people's minds or opening people's eyes to what's going on in America, I think it's being heard more than it has before. Yes, I will say this. At least in the sports world. 
we we cannot or not we but the NFL cannot have the statement they released regarding the police brutality and the climate we have today and stand by what they did with Colin Kaepernick. So that being said, I was very shocked to hear Roger Goodell say we were wrong. I never thought I would hear that come out of the NFL's mouth. So hearing that I think is a big step. Um, I will say for all the people saying, okay, well then give Colin Kaepernick a job. I I think that time has sailed. I I think that time's gone. I think he's been out of the league too long. I think even if he was signed to whatever demand he wanted, I don't think he could play in the NFL anymore. I just think it's been too long outside of football for him to be an adequate football player. Uh, I'm not going to get into whether back when all this was going on, whether he should have been signed or not. Uh, I don't really care to have that discussion. I think the more important thing is like Leland, like you said, we heard Roger Goodell say the NFL handled it wrong. And I think, I know a lot of people listening to this might not listen to Levitard show, but I did. I do. And I did today. And they talked about that. And they said that this is a big step for the NFL. And now it'll be interesting to see if the NFL backs that up. If players kneel again at the start of this next season, what will the NFL do? Will they clamp down on it? Or will they say, Hey, we have already admitted we were wrong last time. We're not going to be wrong this time. We're going to let it go. So it, We'll see what they do. It, actions speak louder than words, and I think right now for the NFL, those words mean a lot, but now it's time to back it up with action. I think so, with saying some of the words they did, saying acknowledging the protest wasn't a protest of the flag. It was a protest during that time about the inequality mm-hmm. uh, by police officers' treatment of um, African Americans. Hopefully that's at least a little smoother. I think there, I think there'll be a lot of reaction. I just, I've never thought it was wrong. <laughs> I just haven't. And that's my point of view. Yeah. Um, well, and yeah. So I, and I've seen some videos that went back and talked about that. I think it was the Marine. It was, it was someone who had served who told Colin Kaepernick, hey, I think you sitting on the bench is disrespectful. What if you kneel? And then he immediately kneeled and they had a good conversation. Talk, and then that guy kind of was a proponent of what he was doing and, and, it, and kind of said it was still respectful of the national anthem but it was still showing, you know, I just think, I think some of that matters. I think people have to pay attention to that fact. If you still got a problem with it, you have to acknowledge, you have to acknowledge some of those, what they're saying. So, so then if you still have a problem with it, okay, but you can't just ignore what they're saying. Yeah. You're not going to get yeah. an argument yeah. out of me on it. I, I agree I with you. So, um, again, we'll see how it goes. Yep. Yep. All right. Let's Major talk League about baseball. This, this is a sport trying to yeah. get back. And they Uh-oh. continue to argue about money. They can't get it straight. I think they have a lot of the health stuff, at least somewhat figured out, have Let's shots hope. at paying for it. But all we're hearing about is the money problems, because that seems like that's the hang up. The late, you know, they they rejected 114 games. They've rejected 50 games. Now their latest today on Monday was a 76 game plan with 75% of the money. And, um, but the schedule would pretty much just play out the rest of the year like normal, season ending by September, playoffs in October. I, I'm hopeful they can get this done this time because if they don't start soon, they're not going to get going. Yeah. I, you say baseball is trying to get back. I don't know. That I, I'm not seeing it. I, I'm seeing 
a lot of just frustrating behavior from the owners and the players. Look, I think the owners asking the players to take another salary cut is ridiculous. They've already agreed. Whatever percentage of games they play is how much ever they'll make. That's already been agreed to. I don't understand why the owners are now, because they didn't have the foresight to to see that fans aren't going to be allowed at these games. They're asking the players to make that sacrifice for them. That's not the player's job. That's your job as the owner of the team. You negotiated a bad deal. Now you have to live with it. They don't want to do that. And it looks like they're willing to bet the long-term success of the game on it. And I wouldn't do that because, and I'm shameless plug for my other podcast, 40 Sports. I, I talk about this with Matt and Parker Neal this week. This is a golden opportunity for baseball who has a demographic problem with their fan base. It's older. They're not getting a lot of younger fans. Hey, guess what? If you came back the first weekend in July, you would be the only major professional sport playing. You would have all the eyeballs. And yet you're going to find a way to blow that opportunity because you're worried about maybe not making money this year if you're the owners. Okay, well, I guess you can grandstand if you want, but here's the problem. After this year, lost year, now you have to negotiate a CBA, which is an even bigger deal than this. And if they can't even come together for what is two months or you know three months of a regular season in a playoff, it doesn't give me a lot of hope on a multi-year CBA that's coming up in 2021. So I, I almost have no faith that that's going to get done. And at that point, then, what are we even doing? If you can't get this together, it's really frustrating. Again, I think the players coming back with 114 was delusional. I thought that was dumb. I understood why the owners didn't want to do that. You're worried about a second wave, and if the second wave happens, then you don't have playoffs, and if you don't have playoffs, you really don't have money. I get that. 50 games blocked. Then they counter with 40 games. And I was like, all right, so we don't know how negotiating works. And and that gets killed, obviously. Now they've come with 76, but again, they're asking the players to take 75% of whatever the prorated salary is. Just give give them the other 25%. Why does that matter? 76 games, give them the other 25%. Yes, you take a hit this year if you're an owner, but guess what? You've made record profits year after year. And next year, you're going to make record profits again. So why can you not take a minor loss this year? How am I supposed to believe that that's going to kill you as a Major League Baseball owner? When, by the way, all these people also own other things that are making them a killing right now. So I I don't believe that, oh, well, if we don't make money this year, I mean, there's no way we can keep this this thing going. We would just, we can't survive. I'm sorry. (laughs) You have survived blunder after blunder as a Major League Baseball operation. Uh, I I think you can survive another one here. I think you can survive a financial loss to what would be a huge PR gain. And by the way, you would have more viewers than you ever have as a league. It's so, so stupid to fight over 25%. Owning any business, there's risk. And it's like these, these owners are trying to act like there's no risk and that they should operate outside of the world of risk. I, it's just, I guess there's big corporations that can do that. Oh, they already do. They don't have to pay taxes. It's a nonprofit. Yeah. Or maybe that's just the NFL. Maybe Major League Baseball is not in that. But uh, it's frustrating. Regardless, it's frustrating. Very much. Very much. NBA, they're going to get going. They have this Orlando plan. 22 teams are going to play. They're going to do eight kind of end of regular season games called seeding games to kind of get the final 16 sorted out. 
and then they'll do playoffs kind of like normal and uh, running through the middle of October is kind of the last time, last chance of a NBA final game being played. You know, overlapping with football isn't optimal, but in this year, at least they're, they're risking that. They're doing what they can. You know, that's the playoffs of NBA that get good ratings in, in May and, and June. I, especially they'll be playing during the week. I know it's during football season, but they'll be playing during the week. A lot of those games, I, I think it's good. And, and I think they're just saying, yeah, if we get our butts beat on a Sunday night in ratings, fine. But we're going to play a season. We're going to get a championship crowned, and we're going to go. And so I appreciate that out of the NBA. And uh, I don't know. It just kind of drives me crazy that Major League Baseball, which which really is not a contact sport. I know you get guys in proximity of each other, and you get moments of contact. NBA, you're in tank tops sweating all over each other. It just would blow my mind if the NBA can happen. They can come up with rules and safety precautions to at least attempt the season, and, and Major League Baseball couldn't. So I, I'll give credit to the NBA here. I'm looking forward to that getting going. I'm looking forward to any of the major sports getting going just so there's other news to talk about that is not as meaningful as what we've had over the last three months. I, I want some, some subjects. You know, I, I kind of miss – you know, LeBron James missed that shot at the end of the game. Let's tear him apart. I, I honestly kind of missed that conversation now. <laughs> I don't know if I missed that conversation, but <laughs> I have a question, and maybe you don't know the answer to this either, but I, I know I haven't read too many details about this. These eight seeding games. So let's say they play the eight seeding games and LeBron James tests positive. He can't play. He's gone. He's quarantined yeah. for 14 days. Sure. Let's say that happens. And the yep. Lakers go 0-8. Does that mean the Lakers, who have one of the best records in the NBA right now, aren't in the playoffs? Or is this being added no. to whatever their record already is? It's being added to their record okay. already. Gotcha. So they would drop they would drop in the rankings if they fell that far. Um but no, uh okay. they, that was my question. Just be out of, this isn't like a new seeding situation because it's uneven. I mean, there's more teams in the West, and that's just because those teams could reach the playoffs. The East only has like two extra teams in. So, um, yeah, the Wizards, whoo. Yeah, the Wizards still have a shot. And, I think we're the 22nd I mean, team. It's going to be interesting. All these guys have been not actively playing games against each other for months now. So, who has been putting in the workout time? Who's been playing basketball on their own? And it'll be interesting. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see a team or two that's outside of the playoffs get inside of the playoffs because it'll just be a, a new set point. Just not the Wizards. Yeah, they won't. I mean, it's obvious they won't. <laughs> uh, NASCAR's still been running. Uh, Atlanta happened this past weekend. Um, I kind of didn't catch any of it, but I know Wednesday night at Martinsville. Uh, so I, I actually t- I actually pay more attention on Wednesday nights than I do on Sundays. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I think Kevin Harvick won. I don't know. <laughs> That's sad. Yeah, we're not here for sports news. We just uh, talk about our thoughts. Uh, NASCAR's just... <laughs> that's like the last... That's right above golf for me. Yeah. It, okay. So any other sports that we need to talk about that's kind of bottom of the barrel? Uh, I don't know about bottom of the barrel, but did you catch that <laughs> Virginia Tech national championship game last night, Leland? I'm aware of what you're talking about. I loved it. I downloaded Twitch uh, for the first time. You got to explain what Twi- you probably have to explain what Twitch is, but you need to explain sure. what's going on here. So, um, background in case you're not familiar with it, and or if you're seeing it on Twitter and you just have no idea what's happening. Uh, 
Barstool Sports has an employee that goes by Barstool Big Cat, uh, and he plays NCAA football on a streaming service called Twitch, which is free. It's basically you get it and you watch other people play video games. Not for me, except for last night. Um, I've followed on Twitter to his coach Doug's story, who may or may not be a real person uh, in terms of Doug's being his actual name. I know there is a real person that they use as the model for Coach Doug's. Uh, but anyway, he's been going around and playing his career on Twitch. And he was the head coach at Tennessee. He went undefeated. And last night, they played in the Rose Bowl against Virginia Tech in the national championship. And he got housed by Virginia Tech. And I loved it. I, I was, um, I'll root for, I might watch more just because I had so much fun watching it. And that's the first time. It's like I told my brother, I actually had fun last night, and I haven't been able to say that a whole lot in 2020. I had fun watching another dude play video games, which is not usual for me. And But it was watching him and watching him get upset when he would make mistakes, which kind of made me feel better about when I suck at video games. So that was fun. Yeah, he threw a lot of picks. He threw a ton of picks. I think he threw six picks in the game. Virginia Tech... Uh, destroyed them. I think it was 49-21 was the final. And, and Virginia Tech football on Twitter had fun with it a little bit. Uh, a lot of hokey yeah. Twitter was having fun with it. And that's what it is. It's entertainment. Of course, Norm Wood yeah. has to come in as Mr. Stick in the Mud. And I will never promote Barstool Sports or a video game and blah, blah. I'm like, okay, Norm. Like, do us all a favor and just go to your typewriter and, you know, tell us about the Magna Carta or whatever. I, I don't have time for gloom and doom over something like this and, and just being a general stick in the mud. I, I just do not care for it. It's so, so stupid for him to get upset about this. Look, do I agree with everything Barstool puts out? No. Do I think some of their stuff is funny? Yeah. Do I enjoy the content that this has produced on Twitter for a few months during the pandemic? Yeah. I've watched, I've followed along on Twitter. I've never actually sat down and downloaded Twitch, obviously, until last night and watched a game, but it was fun. I had fun watching it. I had fun watching a guy lose his cool and, and watching Virginia Tech win a fake national championship. It was fun, which is what it's supposed to be. If Norm Wood doesn't have fun doing that, fine. Read a book or, or, or tell me about what it was like when the Declaration of Independence was signed because you were there. I don't know. I, I wasn't there. And look, I'm sure Norm Wood's a nice guy in reality. I've never met him. But in terms of this, he just came off as so, so old. And I don't know why the likes of Andy Bitter or Mike Barber or some of the other people on Virginia Tech Twitter, which wasn't very many people on Virginia Tech Twitter, felt the need that they had to defend him and be like, he's right. This is dumb. I don't know why people think this is cool. Because they're just bored. What do you want us to do? Sit and read your article? No, thanks. It's behind a paywall. I'll pass. <laughs> I, I, my, I was aware of it happening. I was aware that it was going to come. I did have, hey, I wonder, I, I want to know if they win or lose. Like, I, I'll look back at Twitter late Sunday night and find out. I had forgotten about it late Sunday night, and I looked it up. But I did. When I woke up, I, I went searching. All right, who won that game? Didn't take me long because all my Twitter is hokey Twitter. And I found out very quickly. And it seemed like most people were having the right kind of fun with it. Yes. Jokes and stuff. I think Hokie Sports, whoever was in control of it, posted it real quick. 
clearly indicating it was the bar stool, like not trying to make it more than it was. Right. And it was a joke. It was on there long enough for a screenshot, and then you take it down because it's not real. And, and that's, I don't know. It just didn't upset me that it existed, but it also just didn't draw me in the way it did for you just because. And that's, look, if you didn't feel the need to download and watch it on Twitch, that's Sunday fine too. Yeah, that's fine too. I, I, but again, I think what you're saying is true. A lot of people had fun with it and, and they're not being like, wow, this makes Virginia Tech, you know, a, a program in reality. It doesn't. It, is it easy PR yeah. for the program? Sure. It, is it fun for people to watch and just forget about life for a few minutes? Yeah. And and the fact that somebody like Norm Wood gets offended by this is to me just says a lot more about him than it does anything else. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's fine. I just wasn't into it. I I have gotten turned off by barstool sports like a year and a half ago. I still have. I still see their stuff on Twitter. I still. I'm not gonna say I don't smirk at some of their stuff, but I I don't know. There was a point where I kind of stopped going to the website and stuff because it just wasn't my vibe overall. But, yeah, just completely, you know, tearing it apart for no good reason. I, I agree with you. And, and look, uh, again, I, kind of what you're touching on. Do I agree with everything they put out and every statement they make? No. It, sometimes there's times where I'm like, mm, really don't like that. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to agree with everything somebody says. And Leland included. Uh, and I'm sure there's things that I say that Leland doesn't agree with, and we probably have shouted about it on this podcast before and we'll shout about it again but at the end of the day this is just entertainment and if you take this as anything more than entertainment for people you're over analyzing it and you need to examine your own priorities yeah no one was trying to make this I, I don't think anybody was really trying to make this more than it was except for the people trying to tear it down yeah trying to be like oh we're above this and you should be too be like all right Whatever. Well, enjoy it in Narnia. Say hi to Aslan for us while we're all having fun down here in reality. All right. Speaking of reality, 30 for 30 this week gets back to a topic that I care more about than Lance Armstrong or Bruce Lee. Yeah. Long gone summer. It's going to talk about the summer in 98 when Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were on those home run chases. And it was a great summer of baseball. It was just the whole country seemed to be in on baseball. And it was coming off you know, a couple of years removed, four years removed from the baseball strike. So it was uh, a big swing of interest in baseball. Um, I'm looking forward to it. This, I mean, I've, ever since they showed the first commercial for it uh, in January, I was pumped about it. I think during the Michael Vick one, they had like a small preview or something. And then when they said they were moving it up to be right after the last dance, after they had announced the last dance moving up, I was super pumped. So I'm, I'm ready for Sunday night, nine o'clock. I'm going to be back on last dance rules. Kids got to be in bed. Um, everybody's got to be still. We got to be watching. I, I'm really looking forward. Yeah, I agree. And um, look, I know you wanted me to comment about how I felt about McGuire and Sosa at yeah. the time, and how I feel about them now. Uh, at the time, kind of like you in your notes here, Leland, I I was rooting for Sammy Sosa because it was fairly obvious Mark McGuire was on something, uh, yep. and Sammy Sosa. Maybe there was the the hint of it being around, but it wasn't as confident as mcguire he didn't look as you know jacked up as mark mcguire so yeah you were kind of rooting for sammy sosa or at least i was and then once i found out sammy sosa was involved too yeah that that diminished my opinion of sammy sosa and then of course he has the 
going from speaking English all the time to all of a sudden in front of Congress, he completely forgets how to speak the English language. Uh, and that whole debacle, which again is, yes, I've lost a lot of respect for Sammy Sosa. I understand Mark McGuire has admitted it. He's apologized. That's fine. I, look, I'm not going to say he's the worst thing to ever happen to baseball, but I still don't like Mark McGuire. Uh, I have a hard time getting behind a lot of those guys who have tested positive or have been proven to have been taking PEDs during this time. It's just, it's something that I have not gotten behind them and been like, Oh, okay, well that's fine. Um, I do have a problem with it in the game. And I think that um, him, Mark McGuire still being involved in the game is shocking to me. I, I can't, I can't believe we are at a day and age where that's allowed because Barry Bonds is a hitting coach, too. Uh, I don't think he is anymore. I think he was, he was let go by last... the Marlins. Unless he went to he a different team. Well, still, the fact that he had a hitting coach job uh, shocked me. Because so. I think that's part of the problem. I think Mark McGuire, or Barry Bonds, excuse me, is saying, why is Mark McGuire getting all this love and forgiveness, and I'm not? And part of that, I would say, is because he's admitted it versus where Barry Bonds hasn't. Uh, but the other part of it is, I don't know. Um, I, I think that's the biggest part, but I think if Barry Bonds were to apologize and say, yes, I did, I still don't think he gets that love. And, um, I don't know what that's about. I, I, to me, they are equal in my eyes. I don't like either one of them. They both cheated and, and you can lump Sammy Sosa in there for a trifecta of the big power hitters who were going for the single season home run record, who all passed it. Uh, but we're we're taking performance enhancing drugs, and for me that tarnishes it. Yeah, I agree. I wish someone else could to break the records that exist, um, or at least even but, go after sixty one. But I was going to say I the like second they the second cleaner. someone gets within sniffing distance of bonds, that cloud of suspicion is going to go up because it's hard to believe. Yeah. It, it's hard to believe that somebody clean is going to beat yeah. something that somebody was juiced out of their mind. To, to get that record for three yeah three out of three people that have hit more than 61 home runs is that right has anybody else I, th- wait a minute has anybody else hit 61 home runs like i i, I, I don't know i don't know i don't think so i think it's still roger the maris three. the top three well and then you have barry bonds who also has the all-time yeah. record over seven again to me 714 is still the number i would look at because that's what hank aaron got so that's what i look at yeah, seven fourteen and sixty one. So, yep. uh, Barry Bonds actually in uh, six two thousand sixteen was his last year being a hitting coach. So uh, I was way off there. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's uh, go and talk about the Rockridge County Baseball League. All right, Yak listeners. This week we are going to talk some Rockridge County Baseball League and. Uh, the excitement for that league getting going back at it. We have Leighton Pullen from the league on with us. And Leighton, thanks for joining us to talk about uh, the season starting up. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. So I know a lot of excitement for any uh, live local sports. I know a lot of people are excited about the league, and I'm sure everybody involved is excited to get things going. You know, talk about uh, the decision to get that going here and uh, the excitement about the league and, and the reaction to the, the news that everything's going to get going. Yeah, I mean, we're we're all excited, like you said, to see local sports back and, you know, hopefully for fans to be there and all 
Um, you know, I didn't have a lot of uh, contact during the whole situation process, but, uh, you know, they kept all of us in the loop. And when they told us that, um, that there would be baseball this summer, I know personally I was very excited and uh, just hoping we can do it as safe as possible. So you, you mentioned the safety aspect, and I guess, you know, that's where a lot of questions come in. Uh, what procedures is the RCBL putting into place to make sure players, but if it gets to the point where fans are allowed to be at the games, fans as well on how they're going to be safe during a pandemic? Yeah, so um, right now we're planning, you know, all players will have symptom assessments by their coaching staff when they arrive to the field on game days and practices. Uh, players and coaches will not share equipment without it being disinfected. Uh, all players not on the field will participate in social distancing in the dugout, bullpen, etc. cetera. Uh, no touch rule in effect, so no high fives, handshakes, or anything of that sort, and no speeding or uh, spitting seeds or <laughs> gum or tobacco during the game. And then with fans, uh, bathrooms will be disinfected. Concession stands will operate with proper social distancing measures. Um, and then fans also, should they be there, should practice social distancing. Um, and that may include bleachers being kind of roped off to where families are kind of grouped together and separated from, you know, other groups attending the games. So it's you still say the word if there with fans. I guess that's still pending, uh, you know, what changes um, with any – with with, with the governor in the next week, or do you need to be in phase three for the fans to be there? Or is it able to go forward with phase two? Um, I think we're able to go forward. Um, to be quite honest with you, I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, but you can find all the information I just gave you all on our website. Um, we have a flyer with details on it. Um, and you know, for you guys to stay tuned with that. Yeah, well, that's great. That's a good, good resource to look at for any fans interested in going out to a game. Uh, a lot of our listeners probably, headed out to Stewart's draft, but I know even those uh, Rockingham County teams, uh, I know we get a lot of players from down this way playing. Um, you know, talk about, you know, some of the player involvement and maybe some of the reaction from the players that you've heard, um, you know, reacting to come back the excitement, or have you guys been answering a lot of questions from, from players of, of how this is going to work? Um, there's definitely been some questions from players for sure, but, uh, you know, across the board, uh, from what I've heard, players that I've talked to specifically, they're, they're excited to get back at it. Um, like I have a cousin who's, who plays in the league. He plays for Grottos and he goes to school at Point Park College, which is in Pittsburgh. And he didn't get to play at all this year, but obviously with the cancellation of spring sports across the board. And he's excited just to be able to get back out on the field and have that competition aspect. Was there any, I guess, pushback from facilities uh, and the people who, are in charge of the facilities and run the facilities to the RCBL using those. I know some of them are high school fields and they've been shut down, uh, obviously with everything going on. Was there any pushback or do you know of any pushback or as um, far as you know, is it just as far as facilities are concerned, no problems. As far as I've heard, there haven't been any issues, Okay, but um, yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. So some of the storylines go into this season, um, I mean, you can catch us up because I think I'm actually blanking on who won the championship last year. Um, who, who did win the championship last year? And uh, what's kind of the outlook for the season? On, uh, which teams are, are looking for a good run? Um, so Clover Hill is our defending champion. Um, okay. Yeah, the last two seasons, it's been Clover Hill and uh, Bridgewater in the championship series. 
Gotcha. So they'll be the probably the strong teams again. It seems like the league does cycle with. Uh, I know Stewart's draft went on that long run of year after year being in the championship and winning the championship most of the year. So Clover Hill and Bridgewater probably the two top dogs. Yeah, yeah. If you look at it from the last three years, it would definitely point that direction. Has the RCBL seen an uptick in college participants? I know you said you had a cousin who played college baseball, but with the Valley League, uh, it's the other prominent league in this area. Obviously, for them, they have a lot of challenges that the RCBL doesn't have in terms of trying to find host families for a lot of these kids, and that's why they weren't able to get going. Has the RCBL seen an uptick in college kids, or has their rules, I know they changed it to where I think they could add another player not from the area to be on the team's has that uh, kind of limited the number even without as many summer leagues going on? Um, I think I don't know again for sure, okay. but I'm, I'm pretty sure that we have seen an uptick in players. Like you said, with the rule change, you know, allowing for extra, an extra player, I believe from out of the area to play, it's kind of opened the door for more players that didn't get that spring season to be able to get some kind of action. All right, so we get to know you a little bit better. Uh, you know, you're in a cool role here with the RCBL. Um, you know, Joe and I just started a sports uh, podcast to talk local sports. You know, how did you get involved with the league, and 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 where where do you come from, and uh, you know what got you involved with the Rockingham County League? So, um, I graduated from Wilson Memorial High School last spring, um, and I was the PA announcer there for three years now uh, under cool. Craig Flesher there. Um, in the last two summers, I've gotten the cool opportunity to work with the Waynesboro Generals. And uh, then I had a professor approach me at Bridgewater, uh, where I attend now, and kind of gave me this opportunity. And I was like, this is awesome. You know, it was a step up from where I was with Waynesboro. And it just was, it was just an amazing opportunity for me. It was right up my alley, right what I wanted to do uh, after college. When it comes to what you're doing, uh, what is your role with the RCBL and what will you be doing for them this, this season? Um, so my role is kind of as a media intern. So I will be doing uh, different things that pertain to write-ups after games or uh, like season previews that I'll be working on this week uh, for certain teams around the league, just covering different storylines. It could be anything from, uh, like I said, writing to doing maybe a broadcast for a game or something of that aspect. Very cool. Well, good luck with all that. Uh, I mean, that's going to be a fun summer. And then what a different time to be covering this league. You know, most of the time we'd be only asking questions about, you know, top hitters, top players coming back. And it's such an interesting time to handle uh, the PR for a league. So good, good luck to you all season. And that's uh, it's a cool role. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. In terms of, you know, we'll get you out of here on a question we ask a lot of our guests on here especially their first time when you're not uh getting ready for the rcbl and what you'll be doing for them this summer what are you binge watching on either netflix or hulu or whatever streaming service is your streaming service of choice um so i have been watching the office on netflix yes (laughs) and you're right so many times at this point i feel like i can quote it almost Mm -hmm. all the way through you fit in with us well yeah (laughs) All right. Well, that's, that's, awesome. that's, that's definitely that's the, the right answer. answer. Yeah. yeah, that's the right answer. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on with us. We, uh, we're really excited uh, to see how to see local sports in the area and see how it's going to go, um, because we all want live sports and, 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 you know, 
normalcy to return. And this is the first early sign at the opportunity for that. So we hope it all goes well and everything goes great. And uh, good luck to you with uh, handling that, those media relations. <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, this week for our list, we are going to try to keep this uh, podcast under two hours this week, but this time we're going with 90s baseball players. We did 90s basketball players last week. A lot of them repeated on our list, and I think we'll have a lot repeating this week as well. But let's talk about 90s baseball players, and I'll let you lead off. All right, well, leading off for me is a pitcher, the big unit, Randy Johnson. He is in my top five at number five, uh, I really liked Randy Johnson when he was pitching, uh, whether it was with the Mariners or the Diamondbacks. Um, but obviously, 90s, he was with the Mariners during that whole time, I believe. Uh, so it was really fun to watch him pitch. And I mean, it's one of the most iconic things that I remember about baseball is when he hit that pigeon or dove or whatever it was, and it just blew up right there so on cool. the screen. I actually couldn't get Randy Johnson in on my top five. He was one of my, probably one of my top honorable mentions because he's one of my favorite pitchers of all time. I, he's my second favorite pitcher of all time, I believe. Um, but he played for the team that I rooted for the most back at the time because mm-hmm. we'll get to my number one player. But yeah, he was just so dominating. The time he came in against the Yankees as a reliever and got that game done, um, just everything he did. He was such an imposing guy in the mound. I love the all-star game when John Cruck was up there in Baltimore and he was as a lefty scared to hit against him. And he went over to the right side of the plate. Like I loved that he had that kind of impact on people. Um, of course that's a, you know, exhibition game and people were being funny, but I just loved that dynamic about Randy Johnson and the fear that he could put in people. And he had that slider. Um, I just associating like one pitcher to a pitch. I, I, I just think if you have to say, this kind of pitch belongs to this pitcher slider, Randy Johnson. I mean, what are we talking? Tim Wakefield and the knuckleball, and then everything, everybody else. You know, it's it's hard to associate single pitches with people. But uh, man, Randy Johnson was just absolute beast. I agree with you. Definitely deserves to be on a top five list. And the only reason I didn't get him on my top five was because I put Bo Jackson number five. When I started watching baseball, I believe Bo Jackson was the reason. I, it was the late eighties, early nineties. He was just you know, he's playing two sports. He was such a physical beast. He didn't have the long lasting career, but you had the baseball card with him breaking the bat over his knee. Um, the Bo nose campaign from Nike. Bo Jackson was the coolest thing in 1990. I, I think we talked enough about Michael Jordan. I think in 1990, Bo Jackson was actually a cooler, um, athletic, um, media, you know, athletic, uh, persona. I just think that Michael Jordan took off there. But, yeah, Bo Jackson in at my number five. With early years of liking baseball, absolutely who I thought was the best. You got any comments on Bo? Yeah, I like Bo Jackson. I love his 30 for 30. Um, I just wish he'd been able to stay healthy. I think it would have been interesting. Yeah, it would have been really cool. So then I'll go, we'll do this snake style, and go Ricky Henderson as my number four. Okay. Um, I, I a lot of Ricky's uh, attitude, uh, the way he spoke um, in interviews and the self-confidence that he had doesn't really line up with a lot of people that I was uh, fans with or the way that I would want to conduct myself on a field or, or watch my kids conduct themselves. But, man, he was good. And he uh, he just had a superhuman um, persona about him that he could just steal these bases. They knew he was going to steal. He stole it anyway. And, um, 
you know, he's, he's the greatest of all time. You know, that's what he said. And, uh, you know, I just, he had a lot of impact. That was early baseball for me too. And I, I think I get drawn into that. Uh, he was on those good Oakland athletics teams. Um, my great aunt on my mom's side actually has a lot of interaction with that Oakland athletic team because her son, my cousin removed, whatever, he was a bullpen, like not on the roster catcher. He was like right. an extra bullpen catcher. He had gone through the minor leagues, uh, I believe was out of baseball, but then he was catching in the bullpen just as like an extra body out there for the Oakland Athletics when they won the World Series through there. So my aunt uh, would actually be around the team and stuff, and she uh, actually wore Jose Canseco's World Series ring one time and stuff. So there's a lot of funny stories like that in that area. But uh, Ricky Henderson was always my favorite from that era of the athletics. Uh, a really good team. Okay. Well, uh, my number four... I got to watch him play this weekend uh, because I watched a lot of MLB Network. I watched a lot of 90s baseball this weekend on MLB Network with some of the old World Series being played, including the 95 World Series with the Atlanta Braves and Cleveland Indians. And uh, for me, number four comes in as uh, the crime dog, Fred McGriff. Love Fred McGriff. Uh, I think a lot of my fanhood came because his nickname was the crime dog. And I just thought that was so cool when I was a kid that his nickname was the crime dog like McGruff. And, uh, so then I then you watched him play and he was a great player too and yeah. watching him play again in, in, on MLB Network in this '90s World Series. My brother and I are both just looking at the names that were coming across there with Fred McGriff and uh, yeah. Chipper and Ryan Klesko and those guys and and the pitchers who are I'll go ahead and mention now are my honorable mentions in Glavin and Maddox. Just loved watching those guys play and I just had so much fun. Uh, reminiscing about that this weekend as I watched Fred McGriff, number four on my 90s baseball player list. Yeah, McGriff and the, and the, the crime dog nickname, absolutely one of the best. You also can't forget those commercials, the Tom and Ansky baseball skills commercials, absolute classic commercial, classic yes. Uh, yes. early 90s commercial. You just you can't think about the crime dog and not think about the proper way to hit that baseball. So. Yep. Uh, so number you have three. three, I mentioned uh, Chipper Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a really, really good third baseman, uh, and uh, he played, man, talk about longevity. He played for a very long time. My brother and I were talking about this. It wasn't that long ago, or at least it doesn't feel that long ago. I guess it's old enough where he was been in, he's been inducted in the Hall of Fame now, so at least over 10 years now. But, man, it was a lot of fun watching Chipper play, too. It was just uh, – he, he was a really yeah. good third baseman that was right up there with Cal Ripken as – at the time when we got really to watch him, my brother and I, Cal had moved over to third. So him and Chipper were the two that leaped out at you as the guys who played third base really well and were guys who played the game the right way. Yeah, he had 19 years. He was still playing in 2012. Mm. So I guess not 10 years. But he is yeah, in the Hall of Fame, right? Am I imagining that? Am I imagining that? Say it again. Am I imagining that, that he's in the Hall of Fame? He's in the Hall of Fame. You only need five years oh. to get in the Hall of Fame. All right. Well, there you go. Like the day, uh, who I'll talk about later, Griffey retired. I was like, all right, five years, we're going. We didn't. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, on to my list. Uh, and the Bros Braves, you just talked about a whole slew of them. I, I wasn't like Mr. Braves fan. Honestly, at that time, I was probably, I was always a Marlins fan from the time they existed. 
but then also King Griffey Jr. Oh, Mariners fan, and I've alluded to that a lot. Yeah. But the Braves were on TBS, and you just watched them all the time. Every Friday mm-hmm. night, I was watching the Braves. Anytime I could watch, you know, that was one of the only opportunities to watch baseball during the week. Uh, Wednesday night on ESPN, and then TBS if they had the Braves. So, uh, yeah, those were fun. Uh, Steve Avery, he was one of my favorite pitchers at the time out of that group. I know Glavin and Maddox were the better pitchers overall, but I always liked Avery, the left-hander, um, during that run. So uh, I just wanted to mention him too. Not on one of my lists, but he deserves to get mentioned. All right, so number three on my list, Nolan Ryan. He's always who I consider is the best pitcher. I know, you know, John Leonard tore that down a couple weeks ago. and But I, I don't know. As soon as you get Robin Ventura in a headlock and you start beating the top of his head, you're just going to go up the list for me. And, and Nolan Ryan pitching all those um, no-hitters and perfect games, uh, you know, the blood on his jersey coming off of his face uh, in one of the games. I, I don't know. I just I always thought Nolan Ryan was the man. I had a fake Nolan Ryan rookie card from when he was a Met in, like, 1969, and I thought that was the coolest thing I had. I knew it was fake. Still thought it was the coolest thing I had. So, uh, Nolan Ryan, always always just kind of who I consider being the best pitcher. I just I think you could tell my age by this list because I have so many guys that were, like, the best in the game in the early 90s. Um, the cool story I have of Nolan Ryan, one of the guidance counselors at my school, Finley Lots at Riverheads, he was at the game in Arlington when Robin Ventura charged the mound and Nolan Ryan started beating him in the head. So some the guy that was a guidance counselor at my high school was at that game. I always thought that was a really cool story. Yeah, I like Nolan Ryan a lot, too. And uh, as you said, John kind of exposed that he was a guy who would walk a lot of people. But, man, when he was on, he was on. And he had that fastball yep. going. And obviously, I mean, it, talk about long, we talked about longevity with Chipper. That's another guy. He played forever. He played for oh, yeah. Houston and Texas, so I mean he's he beloved. Was yep. He was a rookie with the Mets, so yeah, yeah. beloved in the state of Texas, and um, he's a great pitcher. Uh, even if he did walk a lot of people, he's still one of the all-time greats in terms of pitchers. And I, I know uh, I I enjoy watching old games that he pitched into because it's just it's fun to oh, watch yeah. those guys. I, that was I don't know. I guess that's the point I'm trying to get to here is when when my brother and I were watching '90s baseball, I was like, man. It's a lot more fun than watching baseball today, just because there's not as many strikeouts, uh, unless Nolan Ryan's pitching. The entire field, yeah. Yeah, and, and I'm just watching guys try to put the ball in play and just try to get on base. It's a lot and more right, fun. I mean, that was Greg Maddox's game. I mean, he would just pitch the ball where you could hit it, but you just weren't going to get all of it, and mm-hmm. his guys would put it in there. Yep. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. And Nolan Ryan also. That's the days before pitch count and stuff. I mean, he'd just go out there and pitch till his arm was numb. Probably didn't help anything, but hey, he played for a long time. So I, just people are built different now. All right, I will go again at number two here. And this was the player that I just always had the most respect for, for a team that was never my favorite team. But Kirby Puckett, I, I always loved him. You know, I wasn't I, – I just always remember Kirby Puckett. He looked different than every other outfielder. He was rounder than he was tall. But, man, he could hit the ball, and he fielded great. He was a great center fielder out there. He was quick on his feet, got everywhere he wanted. And I think I liked that about him, that he just looked a little different than most of these other guys, these specimens, and he still was one of the best players in the game. So likable, that big smile. Um, And at the time, I mean, before the tragedy of what happened, you know, him losing his eyesight and that kind of stuff, and we've lost Kirby Puckett, I – 
I always liked him, even in the time, even in the 90s. I, I always held him up there in high regard. And he was my second favorite player, like individually. If I just had to name another guy that I liked the most, not my number one player, Kirby Puckett was coming out of my name, out of my mouth the next. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, Leland. And again, for me, Kirby Puckett's one that probably should have been on my uh, list as an honorable mention, but he didn't make it on there uh, just out of lack of foresight on my part. Uh, but yeah, when I think Minnesota Twins, that's who I think of as Kirby Puckett. I don't think of Joe oh, yeah. Maurer or Justin Morneau first. I, I think yeah. of Kirby Puckett. That's that's the guy that comes to mind. Playing on that carpet in the Metrodome, man, it was mm-hmm. so good. Up against that blue bag of an outfield fence. Oh, so good. All right, who you got it to? I think uh, we're yep. getting into the people that we both have a lot to say about. Yeah, number two for me is King Griffey Jr., uh, which I think you're going to have something to say about. Uh, the yep. kid, uh, he was a lot of fun to watch, especially when he was with the Mariners. I know he had that stint with the Reds there at the end of his career, which I like to gloss over and forget about because, to me, it was it was more about when he was a Mariner and what he did there in Seattle and just – how cool it was to watch him as a kid just play and just have fun. He was kind of the, before all the flash and flair that is there today. That's who I think of as a guy who played the game and just had fun and didn't care what other people yeah. thought. He wore his hat backwards. It wasn't the norm. And I think he kind of showed the kids of today. It's okay to play baseball and have fun. And, and I yeah. think that was important. And that's why I like Griffey. Yeah, Griffey was awesome. I'll, I'll, I'll save my further comments. Number one for me, of course, is no surprise. It's Cal Ripken Jr. Uh, he was – he's the Orioles for me and my brother. I know I speak for him on this too. Uh, and as far as honorable mentions go, uh, Roberto Alomar and P.J. Surhoff were Orioles on those teams. Loved watching those guys too. But Cal Ripken was the consecutive game streak. He was 3,000 hits. He was the Oriole in my lifetime, and maybe ever in the history of the franchise, that has been the best player. And in my lifetime, it's not even close. Uh, In terms of franchise, I guess maybe there's one or two guys you could say could be up there with him. But he has been any hope that the Orioles have had in my lifetime – it kind of feels like Cal Ripken uh, was was the best hope of that. Uh, that team that never quite won a World Series in my lifetime in the mid-90s, he was a big part of that. And uh, he was just a great player. And I remember when we got to go to Orioles games as kids, that was the thing, knowing that Cal Ripken was going to be playing and not being worried that, oh, he might be out this game because you know he, he needs to rest or – he might be out this game because he's dinged up or whatever. He he would play through that, and he would he'd put on a show for the fans, and he cared about that community, and that community loves him dearly. I mean, that guy could he could run for mayor in Baltimore and win it in a landslide for sure. Oh, my. Uh, but oh yeah. Uh, again, when it comes to baseball and nostalgia, it's always going to be Cal Ripken Jr. for me. Yeah, and I think that being the closest baseball team to. Our local area, I know growing up, it seemed like the Orioles were kind of the home team, and uh, if not the Braves, but, you know, one of the two. And, and him being the man on that team, always a big influence. He was on my honorable mention list, you know, right outside of the top five. 
And honestly, I don't know if I put him on the outside just because I knew you'd have a lot to say about him. But yeah, everything you said, and I completely agree with it. There's nothing bad to say about Cal Ripken. There's you can't. And he stepped up big in big moments, uh, which was always cool. I remember that All Star game at the end of his career, and he hit the homer. Um, just he he had those moments, and he always seemed so genuine. And uh, a, a thing that I liked about him, your favorite player and my favorite player. The, the, the fact that their dads played the game and then they came in and played behind them. I always liked those stories. I always, always thought those were cool things. And then Cal Ripken had his brother in playing too. So um, Billy Ripken. So it was just, it was, it, it just like you see, you knew so much about Cal Ripken and it was all great, all positive, such a role model. Uh, when they showed his uh, Ironman street game on the TV, right when all the pandemic started, we watched it, and I watched it with my kids, and I was explaining. Like, he went to work and played. He, he did every single day. Didn't call in sick. Didn't take a day, you know. And I was trying to instill that lesson that he could teach us, um, which I understand the pandemic has taught us. You know, maybe if you're sick, it's better you do go home. But just the mentality of, you know, not just taking off and not, and, you know, put it in the hard work, doing what you got to do. So I always – I. I, I'm using Cal Ripken lessons even so. You know, I learned it when I was a kid, and I'm trying to pass that on. And that says a lot that you're trying to teach work ethic uh, to your kids, you know, 20 years later uh, using this guy. That, that says a lot to him. So uh, very cool there. My other honorable mentions, I had Chipper. You talked about him. Kenny Lofton, always liked him in center field. Um, I just liked him. Uh, I liked him at Cleveland. I liked him. I, I just always was drawn to him. I think he was kind of the next Ricky Henderson. You know, he had that speed, uh, played the good field. So I, I did always like Kenny Lofton. Before, Tony went. Go okay. ahead. I was going to say, uh, before you moved off Kenny Lofton, I wanted to say, uh, no, that, would, that would be another one for me too, would be Kenny Lofton that I forgot to mention. Yeah. But um, watching that Indian scene, my brother and I both marveled at that roster. That's a, like, yeah, how that's did they never I mean, win a championship? Yeah, they were right there. The Manny Ramirez was on that team. Man. Oh my gosh! Yeah, Manny was, well, was I mean, a Albert, good team. Albert Bell, Jim mm-hmm. Tomey, uh, Sandy Alomar, um, Alomar Vizquel, uh, Kenny Lofton. You just later, watched the game this yeah. weekend. I'm, I'm going to miss players that you're going to say that are obvious. Um, man, yeah, it was a heck of a lineup. They're always good on a video game. Yep. Anyway, go ahead, Tony Gwynn. You're right. T- Tony Gwynn. Probably, I don't know. I kind of give him to be in one of the being the best hitter of all time. I know he doesn't own that record. But just seeing some of the news things, I remember watching, uh, you know, this week in baseball when I was a kid, it would come on like Saturday mornings. Um, I always, there was like different Tony Gwynn hitting things that always stuck with me. And then watching him play, uh, they went to that, what, 98 World Series, uh, just really paying a lot of attention to him. He was, he's on my uh, honorable mention list. I respect him as a hitter as much as anybody. And then, like I said, I had Randy Johnson on that list. But getting to my number one, uh, King Griffey Jr., he was, I mean, I, I talked about this the other week. When we talked about Michael Jordan. I had King Griffey Jr. right up there in my mind. Those were my sports, you know, icons was Michael Jordan and King Griffey Jr. I thought they both were the coolest guys ever. And in all honesty, my sports fandom, they probably mean equal to me. I, I mean, maybe King Griffey Jr. probably even more so. I was so into baseball. I had his posters all over my room. Um, you know, always played with his team on the video games. It, King Griffey Jr. was just it. He was the coolest. He was the best. I really do stand by my statement that I think in his prime, he played the game at, at the highest level it's ever been played. 
I know he didn't have the duration that it takes to be the best player of all time. I know he doesn't have the records it takes to be the best player of all time. But I think in his prime, he, no one ever played the game better than him. And I, I'd stand by that. Uh, it's just he was the ultimate baseball player for me. He'll always be my all-time favorite. I have over 100 of his baseball cards. I have two of the same card of his rookie card. Um, I traded my best friend Steve. I had a signed Jose Canseco card that I traded him to get the King Griffey Jr. rookie. And basically ever since that moment, the value of those uh, went in the opposite direction. Well, I guess baseball cards are devalued now, but the Jose Canseco's right. career <laughs> took a turn and King Griffey Jr. at least stayed at enough of a level that was good. And I know I, I too don't enjoy the years that he was on the Reds either. I wish he just would have stayed in Seattle. I was glad he got to come back to Seattle to kind of have that homecoming those last two seasons. Um, even though he was falling asleep in the clubhouse. I think he's the last superstar that you can give that kind of credit to before the age of cranked up media. I think King Griffin Jr. wasn't always the nicest guy with media, but he kind of got by with it because media is different now than it used to be. And I just can't think of somebody since then that was that was a superstar that didn't get hounded by the media worse than what King Griffin Jr. probably deserved. Um, so I think there's a, a little bit of a charm to that. And I, I don't know. I, 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 think about that a lot with him but i still liked him um it just there was no cooler baseball player than him and when he hit those warehouses in the home run competition in baltimore yep. that was i mean i talked about it was just it was the coolest thing you wouldn't talk about him without talking about that that was so awesome that first game that my brother and i ever went to we were standing section in camden yards and they were playing the mariners and king griffey jr turned around and threw a ball up and he threw it oh. over everyone that he was doing his warm-up throws with his outfielder, and then he turned around to throw the ball in the crowd, and he threw it over everyone, and it, his throw bounced off the warehouse. Oh, wow. And so you're what like, all right. Uh, I, I cannot remember the year to save my life. Uh, I went to Camden and watched Griffey played in 97, September 12th, 1997. This is my birthday. Uh, me and Steve and my parents went, and, uh, yeah, it was just so cool to see him live. That was, like, the ultimate. Like, I had to see him play live, and I was so glad I did. Uh, it was cool, and you know we mentioned McGuire, Sosa, Bonds as the three guys that I lumped together as guys who really damaged the game in terms of you know the steroid era. I, yeah. I think I would put Cal, Chipper, Griffey, and then Tony Gwynn, who made our both of our honorable mentions. That would be the antithesis of those guys. Those would be the four guys yeah. that, when I think '90s baseball, and I probably should have had Tony Gwynn in my top five, honestly, because yeah, uh, so good. he that's just who my mind goes to is those four guys and how much I enjoyed watching baseball when they were playing. And, and now those guys are gone. The Orioles are back to what they usually were in my lifetime, which is <laughs> not good. And um, yeah. So now I just have to watch old nineties baseball when the world world series games, when they're on MLB network and whatever. That's what I, I wish I could ma just do. Major League um, baseball can't happen I because they're idiots. I wish I could get new video games, but just the whole roster on the game be 90s, like 1995, 1996. I think you like, could probably do that. I think somebody on MLB The Show, probably who has no life, has probably created that roster, and you just have to download it. I, I'd need to do that because that would that would that's my I don't I think that's why I'm not as into baseball games now is because like I, I'm just not in to the players. Like I, I, you know, there's a couple players I like, and then I like my team, and that's that's about it. Back then, I liked guys on, like, every team. I, I, you know, I had more time on my hands as a kid. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was definitely 
well, know, the prime time for baseball. Uh, even for me, the strike didn't kill it for me. You know, the whole '90s was just my prime, and I and overall, I think it was a good time for baseball, especially how it ended ended the decade. I, it was good. So. Yeah, I mean, not the Yankees or the Red Sox, obviously, but I get your point. The Yankees, I don't know even talking about. Who, yeah. who are they? <laughs> the Red Sox weren't good in the '90s. So. <laughs> All right, let's get out of the C block here and let's get to the D block. All right, time for the D block, and let's get into what's dominating my life. Joe, I watched an Adam Sandler movie this weekend, and it's it was different than any other, or most other Adam Sandler movies. You know, there was no collection of other comedians where they just sit in a circle and just say riff on each other the whole time. So it wasn't uh, Grown Ups. It wasn't where he is just very dominant at a sport, but uh, also very dumb. Uh, so it wasn't Happy Gilmore or Waterboy or something like that. But it was Uncut Gems, where he is playing a more serious role and a definitely more serious approach of acting than he does for most of his comedy films. And I remember back uh, at the end of the year and into Oscar season, everybody was talking about Adam Sandler's potential for being nominated for Best Actor in a Movie and how good the movie was. So I was really looking forward to seeing it. Didn't work out to go see it in the theater back then. Um, I was waiting for it to come to a streaming platform, honestly. Well, it came to Netflix. I watched it, and I just don't understand what all the fuss was about. I, it was a, not a good movie. I thought it was an annoying movie. Um, I I just don't have much positive to say about it. I wouldn't recommend anybody to listen watch it. I just didn't enjoy it. I didn't think his acting was that great. Um, I thought everybody was just talking on top of each other the whole time in a destructive way. I know they were trying to show kind of a cultural thing with that, but at moments I thought the movie was unwatchable. And then when it ended and I won't just completely throw it away here, I just was like, why did I just sit here for the last two hours? I I kind of wish I did. So that is my review of uncut gems as an Andy Bernard would say that film is bad. Okay. Um, Well, listeners know that, a movie being dark doesn't take away from my enjoyment of a movie. That being said, I also didn't enjoy this movie. I just didn't think it was that good. Uh, like you, I thought there was a lot of praise behind it, so that made me kind of interested interested enough to watch an Adam Sandler movie because that's something I don't do a lot nowadays because I can't stand the Grown Ups movies. I think they're dumb. Uh, but when I was done watching this movie, kind of like you, I was like, all right, well, I just wasted that amount of time in my life and I'll never get that back, so... Great. Just chalk it up to 2020 and move on. (laughs) Sure thing. All right. So what is dominating your life? What is dominating my life uh, is Liverpool is coming back, Leland. June 21st, I believe, is the date uh, where they play Everton in the Merseyside Derby. And we have a chance to win the league if Arsenal can find a way to take points off of Manchester City before that, and then we beat Everton. Uh, I am really excited about the Premier League coming back because it gives me something to do on the weekends. Other than watch 90s baseball, I can watch sports where I don't know the outcome before, uh, which is great. And I'm looking forward to that tremendously, and I'm looking forward to Liverpool winning the Premier League for the first time in club history. All right. Well, good luck to you on that. 
I'm glad those sports are coming back. So I'll say that. Yeah. What, do you know so that, what do you have this? What What do you know that we need to know yeah, on the yeah, Billy yeah, Joel yeah. topic this week? The Billy Joel topic this week. All right, we are starting at forty. At number forty is Rosalinda's Eyes. That's a great piano tune right there. Uh, really upbeat, catchy tune. Uh, number thirty-nine. I actually like the live version of both thirty-nine and thirty-eight better than I like the recorded versions, which is very unusual for me. Not a big live audio guy but ballad of the ballad of billy the kid comes in at 39 the live version is great uh same with great wall of china which is number 38 stiletto is a song that is uh about a woman basically uh using and really abusing a guy uh so and uh that comes in at 37 really dark tune but it's good tune Allentown, another dark tune, which is about uh, just kind of the coal mining towns of Pennsylvania, Allentown being one of those, and kind of the experience for people living there. Uh, That comes in at 36. Number 35, Sometimes a Fantasy. Uh, Really no story with this song for me. Uh, I just like it. It's, uh, It's a catchy tune. My brother does not like it, which maybe contributes to some of my enjoyment of it. Number 34, which is one of the few, if not the only song on the Nylon Curtain album that is worth listening to, is Pressure. That's played quite a bit. That's probably a pretty popular Billy Joel song, especially in stadiums. It gets played a lot, I know. Uh, So that comes in at 34 for me. 33 is Weekend Song, which I sing every week on my drive home uh, from the office at the end of the day on Friday. Uh, Love it. Such a great song. Uh, 32 is The Great Suburban Showdown, which is a great song about uh, people who have moved out and then uh, when they're going back home to visit their family. and kind of, It's not something I feel a connection to because I don't have a lot of disdain for my hometown or family, but for people who do have disdain for their hometown or maybe don't get along great with your family, that song would be kind of speak to you maybe. I, I just like the song. I think it's a good song. And coming in at 31, the last one we'll talk about today, another popular song, Keeping the Faith. That's a popular one on the radio. Uh, I have to remind myself to keep the faith through the rest of 2020 here. But, uh, yeah, it's a nice, upbeat song and comes in at number 31 on my Billy Joel list. All right. So that was good. Let's move on to what I need you to know. And like we said last week, um, I think making an effort to – expose yourself to other points of view or stories that you might not be aware of is important. I took an easy track this week uh, that I'll talk about. You know, there's probably other ways that I took part, but uh, the way I'll talk about here is Just Mercy, a movie with Michael B. Jordan and Michael uh, and uh, Jamie Foxx. They released that movie, I think it was out in the fall, and it's not really time for it to be free streaming or anything like that, but they released it with everything going on. They released it on DirecTV, pay-per-view, Amazon Prime, who, so many different platforms that you can watch it for free. So I recommend that. It was the, probably the best movie I've watched in some time. Very well acted. Always like Michael B. Jordan. Uh, he was uh, came got stardom started, I believe, on uh, Friday Night Lights. Uh, he was kind of in the second wave of those players on that show. Um, he was the bad guy in Black Panther. If you don't know who Michael B. Jordan is, you should, because I kind of call him the next next Denzel. He's a very good actor, good in everything that I see him in. Jamie Foxx with another great 
role here where he plays an inmate and uh, does very well with it. Uh, the point of the story, though, is what's more important is it's Michael B. Jordan's character uh, is a Harvard lawyer getting out of school and he goes down to Alabama to to guys on death row, which happen to be predominantly black guys who may not have received fair trials, fair legal representation, and he gets a grant from the U.S. government to do it, so he's able to do this without them, you know, paying him directly, and he kind of has to prove himself and go through that, and then, um, you know, there's the dominating storylines, but also some side cases that are all very interesting, and it's just, it's a very good telling of this story that is sad, that um, happens in America, where um, you know, in cases of low income or, um, you know, just as not much opportunity, pe- people don't get the legal care that they deserve. And when the system is set up against you, um, it just kind of doubles up on you. And you can wind up in jail either un- unjustifiably or with much a worse um, charge than it should be or a longer time. So it was very honorable what uh, his character was able to do. And so I recommend it to everybody. Um and it's just a, another example of the, the ease it is that you can take apart and listen and, and not know more than you knew before. Um, watching a good, well-acted movie, is, it shouldn't be a chore. Um, so I, I recommend this to anybody, and, and hopefully that you know, opens your eyes to something if you need that or reminds you of something you already know, because I, I think that's important, too. Yeah, Leland, I haven't seen that movie yet, so I'll have to check that one yeah. out. But uh, it sounds... Sounds like a good movie to me. I know it's getting a lot of praise uh, in yeah. Hollywood right now. This isn't a Moana situation. You, you just need to watch this movie. Yeah. Uh, we'll host the podcast if you don't have time by next week, but you need to watch it. It's, it's good. You'll enjoy it. Um, very good. So, All right. Well, before the podcast tonight, I went on Twitter, on the Exports Twitter uh, feed, and asked for some on-the-spot questions. So we're going to on-the-spot answer them. And John Leonard was really the guy that, I guess, uh, had time this evening to see what we were tweeting. So we'll attack his questions as they come. And here we go. Joe, I'm going to ask you, because most of these I think are, are coming at you. So we're just going to offer them this here. Why is the Lion King so overrated? Uh, well, you know, it's one of the, <laughs> this is one of those situations where somebody asks a question and it's very apparent that they bring a lot of bias into the question because <laughs> the fact of the matter is that the Lion King is not overrated. It's underrated. Uh, it is the best animated Disney movie of all time. Uh, there's a lot of people not considering it the best animated Disney movie of all time. And so I for that reason, it's underrated. There. Hmm? I think it gets mentioned up there pretty regularly. Yeah, I but it's not, overall, it's not the unanimous number one, so it's underrated. I would say reasons that you could associate with why it's overrated. I think uh, having the famous names involved. I don't think we had seen a lot of Disney movies with multiple famous names attached to them. And I think that was a fir- an early one to do something like that. Uh, so I think that helped its popularity um, early. I think right before that was Aladdin. So it was kind of where Disney started getting into that, um, where he had multiple really famous names. Um, I think that's a reason maybe early on you could call it overrated. Uh, I don't agree that it's overrated, so I, I don't have much more than that, but I, yeah. I would say that would be a reason. Well, and also just uh, the creative names of the characters, like Pumbaa. I mean, such a creative name that is so good. <laughs> John will get the joke. That's, that's, that's something. All right, so why are the Orioles so bad? Again, this is... Uh, 
this goes to <laughs> just old baseball, right? Um, the Orioles have been playing baseball one way as everybody else, you know, moved into the 21st century. The baseballs, the Orioles didn't. And uh, we're, we're just now doing that. I think our farm system's improving rapidly. So I think, you know, three or four years we'll be talking about how the Orioles built this dynasty and how many championships can they win, and I'll be enjoying it. Uh, so we just got to get to 2024, which right now is not a guarantee. Um, but let's just hope we get there, and let's hope the Orioles are bringing home championship banners, and I finally get to enjoy being an Orioles fan for once. At least you accepted the premise of the question on this one. You didn't argue that they were bad. You're just hopeful of, of a change. Um, I do enjoy that you don't anymore compare the Orioles' plan of attack to the Astros. You've, you've gotten off that uh, way of thinking or a comparison uh, because that two years ago or a year ago, that's what you were still saying about, you know, oh, it's the Astros, but, you know, they're doing the same thing. They never look what the Astros did. This is what the Orioles could do. I, I wonder what, you know. Yeah, I want to do everything the Astros did minus – the banging on the trash cans and stealing part. <laughs> and you know what? There's no punishment for it, so why not? Who cares? <laughs> no, nah, that's bull. You don't think that. All right. Whose voice do you hear at the beginning of the introduction, you guys? I'll answer that one because okay. I'm related. That is Kelsey Cash, and I think that's a reminder that we don't uh, give uh, shout-outs enough on our podcast to those who have helped us uh, produce this show. Uh Kelsey Cash is the voice that introduces us and I believe closes us out as well. Um, she is the feminine voice that you hear, and she does a great job at it. She's a very good singer, and I encourage you to find her on Facebook. And uh, she has good uh, videos of her singing songs, and she's very involved at Victory Worship Church, and she, I know she sings a lot there. So I recommend you to find her and enjoy her singing because she is very talented. Graham Cash, her brother, is the guy playing the guitar for our opening. Um, him and I had a fun Saturday afternoon before this podcast started of trying to create that song. And it took very little time because Graham is so talented at what he does. And, uh, he, he's awesome. He's an awesome musician. He can, he can just play anything. He can just get a guitar in his hand to just have at it. And, uh, he's a good singer as well. He has an album that you can listen to on Spotify and I'll try to retweet that this week, uh, for access to that. But, uh, listen to him. He's great. And also very involved in victory worship church. So I uh, recommend them both very much. And then I will uh, not forget my wife, Stephanie Rathburn McCray, very artistic and uh, has made our logo. She came up with our logo, the whole yak in the shape of the yak letters. And uh, she has been the one to produce all the different colors that our, um, our logo gets presented in. Uh, so very cool there. She, she can do stuff like that for people. If you ever are interested in that, and then also she was the photographer for Joe and I for our awkward photos of Joe and I under the lights uh, that we have posted on our Facebook page and Twitter uh, and, and Podbean website. Uh, she took those photos as well. And uh, she's a supportive person to our podcast every week. Uh, she probably gets some of my thoughts and ideas before I get on air or get on to recording with Joe, uh, probably more than she would like. And uh, sometimes when we need to run things by her, might have happened recently uh she's very good at uh knowing what we're trying to do as a podcast and making sure we stay on that track and uh she's she's always helpful in everything i do uh but including the podcast here with joe and i so i know he's benefited from her help in in all sorts of areas as well so uh but that thank you to everybody that's ever helped produce something for our podcast uh because it it wouldn't be as good as it is 
um, without them, and it's probably better because of them. So. Yeah. Uh, I really appreciate all the work that your family has done to support this podcast. <laughs> uh, so uh, outside of editing and occasionally using what they have given me uh, to put to put on top of the episode, <laughs> uh, I and occasionally throwing something into the production side, uh, I don't really – I haven't had to do a whole lot uh, which is different than 40 sports. And I, I really appreciate that. Uh, so, cause I know all the hard work that goes into that. So a big thank you to Kelsey and uh, Graham. And then uh, of course your wife, Stephanie as well. All right. So then the last kind of question that we're going to get here, it's a two parter best book, best movie. Uh, so best book, I always struggle at these bests, um, best book. I'm going to oh. go ahead and throw a couple. Uh, I really like, I really like Stephen King stuff. Um, so, I mean, I'm going to throw out more than a couple. Uh, the Dark Tower series, I think is phenomenal. Don't watch the movie. Never watch the movie. Even as like a dare or a bet. It's not worth it. Um, the books, I highly recommend. And I also like 112263 by Stephen King. That's a little bit different for Stephen King. It's not a horror type of thing. It's, it's historical fiction where, or I guess science fiction, where a character goes back in time to try to prevent the assassination of JFK. Uh, it's a really interesting story. They made it a TV show on Hulu. I haven't been able to finish the TV show, but I really like the book. I'll Best... jump in with books. If yeah, go ahead. Books. Go ahead. I'll jump in with books. I mean, my answers are going to sound like I've never read a book since, you know, middle school or early high school, but it's hard to ignore to kill a mockingbird i think it gets known as one of the best you know literary pieces ever and i think that book has stuck with me i'm not trying to be topical right now with the message from that book but uh it's a joke around my family uh because i had to do like a book report for my parents on it one time uh, because i was in trouble or something but it is a very good book nonetheless uh, and i know a lot of young readers are able to take that book on and it's a good book for um lesson book for kids so i always say that's my number one um but of recent years i read gone girl and i'm not saying that's just the best thing ever made but the book the way it was written was very um captivating and the twist in the middle of that was very captivating and i was very excited from from chapter one on to keep to keep going with that so uh gone girl is what i mentioned movie doesn't hold up as well uh, but I thought that book of the recent years, you know, the last five, 10 years, uh, that one probably captivated me the most. Yeah. If, if I may, I'd also throw another author in there. Neil Gaiman's really good. Yeah. But all right. So best movie, this one's tough too, um, because there's just different kinds of movies and it kind of depends on what mood I'm in. Yep. I will say the movie that I watch every year, at least once a year. And I just love it. Um, not family appropriate. The Big Lebowski. I watch it every year. I think it's a riot. I love it. Um, there's so many scenes that just come to mind that I just bust out laughing. I quote it all the time. My brother and I will quote it to each other. We'll quote it to other people that we know have seen The Big Lebowski and appreciate The Big Lebowski. Uh, it, it's a funny movie, and I, I love it. Um, another movie that I watch all the time is Gettysburg. Uh, it's uh, being a big history fan of history uh the civil war is obviously a major part in this 
country's history, and Gettysburg is a major part of that Civil War. And uh, I think the acting in Gettysburg is fantastic. Uh, the The story, obviously, is I, I can't even imagine uh, what was going through those young soldiers' minds in that moment. Uh, but I, I find that movie to be really good, and it's something my brother and I usually watch every July 4th. Yeah, that's that's a very good one. I think what I always, I mean, I always have to separate it from like favorite movies and best movies, but one of my favorites that's probably the best um, is Shawshank Redemption. I think it's just kind of one of those movies you can turn on every time it comes on and still be entertained. Um, it's a very well-made movie. That's a Stephen King uh, mm-hmm. story. And uh, it didn't win the Oscars that year. Uh, Best Picture, it was going up against Forrest Gump, which is another, actually one of my favorites, Pulp Fiction. Um, those were good movies out that year. Shawshank was was nominated there. Um, but I don't know. I, I always say that's one of the best. It just, it feels, it's just good. It's well made. I mean, the storytelling, the acting, uh, the way they piece it all together, when you're able to watch, you know, not the TV version, that that is a bit longer and has like a whole storyline that's not in the edited version. Um, it's just a very well-made movie. Um, so much of it feels kind of, kind of real for that time. Um, and then just the, you know, the buildup and the climax and um, kind of having going back and fill you in on what you missed in the storyline. Um, it's just so good. And I, I think that was kind of the beginning of my awareness of Morgan Freeman. And uh, he's been in a lot of good things since, and he has that iconic voice. Um, but I always kind of stick with Shawshank as just kind of my favorite good movie, you know, well-made movie. I, and there's and there's other ones I'm probably forgetting and should, probably should mention, but that's just kind of my default answer. Okay. The the score in Gettysburg, too, cannot be uh, overstated. On yeah, no, that, that, is. that is very good. That is very good. But that will do it for us here on Yak Sports Podcast. We have managed to get close to an hour and a half, so we will go ahead and wrap <laughs> this up. Uh, for Leela McRae, I'm Joe Deck. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod so you can interact with us like John Leonard did, and we will answer all those questions. You can also find us on Facebook, Yak Sports Pod, or email us yaksportspod at gmail.com. You can subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify so you'll never miss another episode. As Leland said, please make sure you're telling people to follow and listen, especially if they're a big fan of local sports. We will touch on those more once sports are more of a thing. So until then, folks, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. We'll be back next week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast. 